This is Around the Farm. I'm your host, Clint Chaffer, and we're going to be talking about all things ag. On tap today is what it's like to work with a channel seedsman and what really makes the whole seedsman experience different. Today we're going to be doing uh, something a little outside our normal uh, normal format as we have three guests today and two of them are going to be joining us by a phone. Uh, so in the studio, we're going to be having our technical agronomist, Chris. He's going to be joining us here in the studio. And then on the phone, we're going to have our channel seedsman, Jason, and then also a farmer who uses channel products, uh, Tony. So Chris, how about you introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, thanks, Clint. I'm glad to be here. Um, my name is Chris Kaminsky. I'm a technical agronomist for Channel in central Illinois. Uh, I've been in that role for a few years now and uh, been a part of the Monsanto Bear Organization um, prior to that as a uh, tech development rep. So I've got a few years in the industry as a researcher and agronomist and uh, uh, been in the heart of it all right there in central Illinois. Well, welcome to the show, Chris. So uh, thank you for joining us here. Thanks for having me. Jason, uh, how, about, uh, how about you give us an introduction to yourself? Yes, thank you. Uh, Jason Watson, um, East Central Illinois, Champaign County, Channel Seedsman. How long have you been a, been a Channel Seedsman, Jason? Uh, I have been selling seeds since I got out of college in 2005. I've been with Channel uh, going on my third year. Nice. Uh, also farm as well, is that correct? That is correct. We uh, we also have a corn and soybean operation, a uh, family farm that I partake in as well. Excellent, excellent. Well, Tony, how about uh, save the best for last year? So how about uh, how about you introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Tony Steerwalt. I'm a fifth generation farmer from Southwest Champaign County, uh, Ivesdale, Sedoris area. Um, been farming with my dad for well forever. Really didn't start having true role on the farm until about 2012 so that was an interesting start but everything's going good now and yeah just just really the first first year getting going with channel seeds so wow fifth generation farmer so i would imagine uh you you know those fields like the back of your hand at this point in time yes some of them have been around for a long time so works out that way <laughs> well that is great uh it's uh it's, it's going to be exciting to get to get your perspective of uh of the entire uh channel seedsman perspective here so well first hey we're gonna we're gonna jump back over to chris and really start looking at it from you know an, a, an agronomist standpoint just kind of give us an overview of really the role that you play uh when working with both the seedsman and the farmer yeah, so uh, it's an exciting role as an agronomist because it gives an opportunity to work with our seedsmen, our farmer, but also the uh, bigger channel brand and bringing products to the market. So uh, one of the things that I do is evaluate the products that are on the market and also make some selections for products that will be coming into the market. And that involves assessing the uh, local needs of our customers uh, that, that our seedsmen are working with so that we can bring the products they have the most value to their farm. Um, that's uh, one aspect of it. Uh, the other aspect is uh, just providing agronomic support 
for our customers throughout the growing season and uh, even after the growing season when they're planning their uh, uh, their operation and, and making their plans for the year. And then in season, it's uh, a lot of it is making uh, these field checkup visits or just visiting with our dealers and customers to help them uh, agronomically get a handle on what's going on with their fields and giving them advice, giving them recommendations and making sure they're fully prepared to handle the season and anything that uh, may come up. Well, I know yeah, you, you know you mentioned the the field checkup series there, Chris, and I I feel like probably a lot of our conversation today, you know, specifically in the growing seasons, is really going to kind of revolve around that field checkup series. Uh, can you kind of explain what that really means? What uh, what's really behind the, the that that field checkup series? Yeah, well, in my opinion, uh, the field checkup series is a, a pretty valuable thing. It involves. Um, you know, visits that are made during the seedling growth stage, during the vegetative growth stage, um, the reproductive and at maturity. I look at it as something that uh, a lot of our seedsmen are doing anyhow. And it was something that, uh, that a, good, a good seedsman would do. And, uh, but this is really putting it into a formal process. It's an easier way to communicate with uh, the customer, the farmer, on what is going on out in the field, and it really gives it some structure, and it, uh, it, it uh, just is a clean, easy way to get information to the customer at valuable times and, and help them assess where their operation's at and how things are progressing. And really, if it's my understanding, after each evaluation, essentially a, a report is generated at the end of that? Yeah, that's, that's an option there is to generate a custom crop report that the, uh, that the seedsman can give to the uh, grower, and then he can get an idea of uh, what is being seen out in the fields. And then, uh, you know, if there's action that's needed to be taken, it can be uh, recommended in there or just advice or something to watch for maybe or, or some kind of... Um, you know, thing that uh, you know may need to just pay special attention to. You know, from a from an agronomist perspective, there, Chris. Uh, you know, I, I would imagine Channel has a has a very large portfolio of products. Uh, is it kind of up to you to to help you know figure out which products are are best for the that seedsman's area to kind of work through some of that? Yeah, that's a part of it, and uh, we do a number of tests, research plots, whatever it may be, to get an idea of which products are performing well in that given area, and. This is where I think there's some differentiation is our seedsmen can take that on a real local level and apply it to their specific customer base. And you could go even one step further and think of what climate, field view, and yield analysis can really do. So, And I've been in research for a number of years, and the way I look at it is we could do all sorts of research on these products on our research farms or even some on-farm grower trials that we do, but they'll never truly match every single situation out there. So each operation or each field is really unique in how it's been treated, whether it's from a tillage or tillage standpoint, the crop protection inputs, the fertility and the nitrogen applied. What climate really allows you to do is analyze how those products are performing on your acre that takes it to such a local level that 
it, I can give lots of advice on the trends that we're seeing, on the things that uh, we've seen work well in other situations, and then a grower can utilize that information to make decisions on his farm, and then he can use climate to, to really evaluate, was that a good decision? Did that work? What do I need to change? How can I alter that and make it even better? Because you're really covering a, a larger area and have multiple seedsmen that, that, that you're working with then as well, correct? That's right, yeah. I work across uh, central Illinois, if, uh, kind of from Bloomington to Champaign down to Decatur and Lincoln, um, covering lots of counties there. So, you know, in the course of a growing season, you could see different weather patterns, especially this year. That's the understatement of the year, uh, to see different weather patterns from one side of the state to the other. And, and that can give you a, a chance to evaluate products in, in different environments and different uh, different rainfall events and, and different planting dates and things like that. So I can get that really big, broad picture, and then our seedsmen can really take it to a more local level with their customer base. Well, you know, Chris, being that you do cover that, uh, that, that, that pretty large swath there, I'd like to get your take while you're sitting here. I mean, g- give, me a, give me a quick little synopsis of, of Chris's view into, into plant 2019. Right. It is all over the board. Um, and I don't want to uh, uh, make some folks feel uh, depressed, but there are, some good, there are some good spots out there. I will say that. There, there's some corn out there, some bean fields that are coming right along. But the vast majority are not where we would like them to be in terms of their development and, um, you know, what it looks like they have for potential. Obviously, it's almost entirely related to the weather. But more specifically, what I'm seeing is uh, the soil conditions at planting time or the weather soon after planting. Specifically, the problems that I'm seeing are uh, a lot of sidewall compaction where the crop was put in under wet conditions. And I don't I don't chastise people for having to do that. It was, you know, you could count sometimes the hours available to plant this year. But a lot of it has to do with the uh, the uh, sidewall compaction we're seeing. In some cases, the lack of being able to close the seed furrow, um, and that's caused a lot of problem. And then you, on top of that, we have uh, ponding issues that happened in many cases soon after planting. I guess if I was to kind of classify it, I, I do see some good crops that were planted early. I think uh, if you were able to get some some crops in in the April time frame, late April in most cases, and there was a few acres that were able to do that. They look pretty good right now. May is not looking so good uh, for the bulk of the uh, planting dates that I'm looking at. As we got towards the end of May and into June, the crop at this stage actually looks okay. It uh, came out of the ground very quickly. Uh, many cases, within five to six days, we had emergence. It hasn't had those hard, heavy pounding rains yet. <laughs> some of them have it, I guess. Uh, I think after this weekend, there may be some other folks that would disagree with that. But um, there's some acres that haven't had the heavy pounding rains on them yet. And so those acres are looking pretty good. Now, the, the other thing that I would say is we were up against the wall by planting late. And, uh, you know, we, we continued to, um, you know, advocate the value that full season products bring. We made some adjustments where necessary in hybrid maturity. But the thing is, we needed a full growing season to get this crop to maturity. 
And uh, we've had some cool weather here recently. And uh, we've had some cloudy days and some more rain. And uh, we're not accumulating all the heat units that uh, we uh, have on an average day in, in June, as an example. And so we're kind of teetering on the edge of we, we, we already were up against the wall. Now we've got some cooler weather. It's going to put us at a little bit of more of a disadvantage. So I'd really like to see some heat come in here in the next couple of weeks, get this crop moving along so that we can get those heat units and get the crop to maturity in time. Well, one thing, Chris, I, I wanted to touch on there. You talked about uh, planting date and, uh, you know, down to some folks probably had hours, right? right. Uh, I know I follow a few folks on, uh, on Twitter and uh, one guy posted on there that he had one day in April and one day in May, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was it. And everything else was, was pushed back to, uh, uh, to June. So it's just been a, a really big struggle trying to get that crop in. Um, back to your role as an agronomist, are you also trying to help with, like, hey, this is an, an optimal planting date. Uh, I think guys should, should go and, and put our products in the ground. Uh, to some extent, yes, um, but each individual farm is unique. And, um, you know, if one thing we've seen this year, uh, investments that have been made in drainage, such as uh, tile and pattern tile, has made a difference. And so, um, you know, I, I go back to climate and the things that it can do with the rainfall reports are very helpful in determining, you know, where you might have available fields for for field work. Um and and I can give some advice on soil temperatures and things like that, but ultimately it comes down to the individual operation, logistics of the operation, you know, how many acres do they have, how many do they have to plant yet, uh, what type of equipment available to determine, you know, is this the right time to be planting or not. Um, that, that's an individual call. I can give some larger, bigger perspective. Um, We can look at historical records on heat units and things like that to give you some advice on, you know, if you were to plant this maturity crop, what's the likelihood of it being able to reach black layer before a a frost comes through. And and that's kind of, you know, the, the advice that we can get and uh, we could talk about our specific products and how they're going to handle these situations, but ultimately it comes down to that grower and that individual operation. Uh, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, uh, you know, like you said, size of size of operation, size of equipment, and uh, mm-hmm. and really probably just personal preference, right? Uh, yeah. When the stress level gets a little higher, uh, I, I'm probably uh, more apt to go out uh, maybe when it's a little bit wetter out. Yeah, and and that's that's a tough call. It is a real tough call, and uh, uh, you know it's one of the things. Uh, as an agronomist, I can sit back here and tell you what you should do, uh, but I'm not in your shoes uh, as as a as a grower to uh, you know have to make those decisions and and to take into full consideration everything that's going on. And you talk about insurance dates and things like that, and the level of coverage. You know, again, it's an individualized kind of decision that has to be made. Well, I'd, uh, you know, I think on the on the insurance side, that's a that's like a whole nother podcast episode. So, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll save that uh, that whole conversation for a whole nother date. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could uh, you could spend hours talking about that. What could have been, should have been, or you know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of armchair quarterback. You know, Monday Monday morning quarterback, uh, whatever you want to call it, of uh, hindsight or thinking about how they should have done this or should have done that, but. Uh, uh, you know that's that's human nature, really. Nope, absolutely. Well, hey, I'd like to uh, I'd like to throw it over to Jason and uh, and get Jason's perspective here. 
You know, when when you start looking at, at your role as a seedsman, Jason, uh, how how is the interaction? You know, with with what Chris has been talking about and the and the expertise that that he brings to the region. Uh, how do you then roll that into into your business? Oh, um, in a lot of different ways, really. Um, I, I kind of look at my role as a seedsman as, as understanding the, the needs, the wants, the watchouts, the I can't have this on all the different farmers' farms. And then I get to take the information that, that Chris is able to compile and all the agronomic training and all the meetings that we have through the year and be able to take those pieces of information and fit them back to the, the individual needs that they fit. So I really take a take a, a role in, in wanting to know what the farmer wants and even what the farmer will not have and, uh, you know, decipher the information that Chris or the agronomy team is, is able to provide to us and come up with pairing the, the best fits of products to, to the right situations and the right farmers. Yeah, and, and I would imagine a lot of that too is is working. You know, we talk about these products, and and I asked uh, you know Chris earlier about you know the the large portfolio. You know, how do you how do you take that and then get it down to to really your specific farmers there, Jason? I mean, what's kind of the process to say, hey, these are really the products that we're going to run with this year, and that this this is really what we're going to lean on. Well, that's uh, that's. <laughs> that's kind of the the whole role of the job and how you how you make those decisions um it's it's tough we're we're also having to kind of make these decisions um a year forward so it's very important to to keep a very close relationship with chris and and stay on top of that uh, as for which agronomic products um fit some some holes that might be out there or ones that are improving on what we already have but to think that uh, a large portfolio solves everything, um, it, it's not the case. There, I might have some some farmers that, that don't want to see anything under 114-day corn on their farm, and the next farmer down the road doesn't even start, um, you know, uh, until he's below that in the, in the shorter season maturities. Um, whether or not guys are fungicide users, whether or not they're, they're high-management nitrogen guys, Every farm operates within, you know, kind of the boundaries of their own farm and being able to best understand our products and put those products in the positions uh, of the farmers that will be using them is, is the, the key. And there's all sorts of different ways to go about that. And the ultimate answer is building a portfolio of products and having as much uh, understanding and information of those products to, to fit the needs is the answer. Yeah, so I, I would imagine that some of that information is also gathered by doing things like putting multiple products in a field, whether it's side by sides or or even putting in a in a test plot. Then for farmers, uh, are, are you doing some of that then as well, Jason? Absolutely. Obviously, with the the, the hand mother nature dealt us this year, it was um, it was a chore to to be able to take that extra time to do that, and and many guys did and. Um, we we put out lots of plots, and another caveat on that is the the climate platform in itself of being able to record planting information, the yield analysis tool, uh, the ability to know where stuff was planted and harvested. Um, we we are boots on the ground seedsmen. Um, we're boots on the ground farmers. We are out in there constantly looking. Um, you know, the smallest of details can make a difference to us, and in the ability to to test a product, then 
than to even understand under what rotations or what management programs or what populations. Um, it's just a, a never-ending um, journey to, to fully understanding these products, and we, we go to all means we can to do so. Well, I know, uh, you know, I've put a, put a few plots in, uh, in myself and, uh, one of the things that I have to ask and, and we'll, uh, we'll mute, um, Chris's headphones so he can't hear your answer. But I mean, did, now what does it take to get him out there to, to help you put that plot in? I mean, is he out there, you know, throwing <laughs> bags around and vacuuming things out for you? Well, to, uh, to, to Chris's defense, he's very busy doing that. And, uh, also to, if I can, to put a feather in our own hat, we have done it so often. Uh, we have quite the system and, uh, someone that might be new to it just doesn't fit in. So we, uh, <laughs> we have a, a crew of guys and in, in a format and a, an order and, uh, I'm I'm very proud of of how efficient we are in in cleaning out the planters and and organizing the plot and staking it and entering it properly into the climate system and and all else. So uh, I know Chris is out there helping, and I also know that that I have a team that's uh, on the ball uh, doing it as well. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. It's a well-oiled machine, and there's no reason for me to interfere with what they got going. But to Jason's <laughs> point, what it does allow me to do is, is to help some other individuals get out there. Because as you as we talked about, it was so compressed this year. If there was a day to plant uh, and get some plots in, uh, if I could go assist somebody else while these guys are doing their thing, that's a great day that we're getting uh, we're much more efficient that way. Uh, man, I thought I was going to throw you guys a curveball, and you guys just rolled right through that. I tell you what, that uh, that was that was that was a darn good answer right there. Well, Jason, you know, you talked about uh, you, you know the team, the team around you, and uh, and really, probably more importantly, the team that you put around your farmers then as well. Um, can you take us through, you know, what what, a, what is that team that that you build around each one of your farmers uh, to really help them through that that, that entire season? Uh, the, the team that we put together, uh, you know, encompasses so many things. Obviously, we we start at the the very top with the the Bayer the Bayer brand and and all the resources that that we get through them. You know, you take that down to to Chris um, as our agronomist and uh, and kind of his partner Jake, and and we do um, do all sorts of agronomy calls and emails and then information that that I pass on, and then um, my my um, uh, sales manager, my district sales manager, and as well is is very hands on, and I'm, I'm he's at my office, um, you know, as much as I am, and we get to spend uh, a lot of time just staying connected, keeps us in the know of each other. I, I know everything that's going on. He knows all my customer situations, and and just the the key to all good teamwork is is communication. So being able to take the communication down that, that Chris is getting from his superiors that he passes down to me and then, then my ability to communicate all that information out to the, the correct uh, people in, in timely manners as well. So um, we, we do put together quite a team. Um, I can't speak uh, highly enough about the team that, that I have around us. And, um, and then it takes the execution of, of communicating it to, to everyone involved. Well, that uh, that sounds great, Jason. I mean, it sounds like it's a a you know multi tiered, not only from an experience level, but but just from a from the sheer information that you're getting. Yeah, it, it's um, the the information's great. I 
I also have to, you know, throw out that, you know, my my employees and my help, um, the the knowledge level that they have, that they can kind of fill right into to any gap. Uh, that allows me uh, more time to to get out in the field, get out with the customers, and again, if I can communicate with the customers, if the customers can communicate with me, then we know what we're trying to solve and how we can solve it. Well, talking about getting into the field there, I'd like to go back into what Chris was talking about with the field checkup series. Uh, and that, that's a really, you know, really extensive, you know, way to go out and, and really evaluate each one of those farmers' fields. Can you kind of step us through on your role within that field checkup series? Yeah, I mean, my, my role is to, to get out there and do it. Um, so uh, we, we try to hit the four, four major uh, growth stages of the plant. We want to get out there at the time of stand and establishment, help the, the grower have confidence in the stand that they have is the, the stand that they want, and um, you know, just get a good handle that, that you know, we're happy with the, the crop stand that we have to go forward. We then like to come back and check at the vegetative stages. Again, we can kind of be looking um, at the stand, um, but also at any type of deficiencies, uh, maybe some nutrient deficiencies, um, if there's any extra you know, feedings of sorts, um, as well as weed control and, and any other issues that might be coming up at that time. And then we want to go back at the, the pollination, the reproductive time, and uh, you know, just make sure that uh, you know, have the fungicide discussion. Just have the discussion of of uh, where we're at crop health wise as we go into reproduction, and then we'll be back again at the maturity time frame and help do yield estimates and uh, harvest planning and such with the grower. And and I would assume you know when you're out there and, and doing these evaluations at at each one of those points. Uh, it can really lead to, you know, maybe a, a new recommendation or, or maybe, a, you know, I, I have to change the plan that I originally had. Uh, what kind of things do you see, you know, through the growing season that it's like, hey, you know, here's a, here's a red flag and I, I now have to maybe, you know, go a different way than what I was planning on? Uh, I, think, I think that I'd have to answer that question first with either insect pressure, disease pressure, weed pressure. Uh, that's probably the the most obvious ones that that you can get out in the field and and make those recommendations based off of what you see. But I I think the the larger picture of this program is the the time of I'm investing in in your crop with you. I am there to to look at this. I am there to learn about your farming practices. I I am there to to help you walk through any problems we have and. I'm also there to pat you on the back when you have a really good crop. Well, Jason, I, I have I have some I have some more questions I'd like to ask, but uh, I am going to jump over to Tony just while we are talking about uh, you know the field checkup series and and going through those different pieces. Uh, Tony, as as a farmer, what's what's been your you know your reaction to to having this what I would really consider a, a high touch program? Well, it's been great from the start. I mean, we met with, uh, I met with Jason and Chris over at a plot I had in there, and I don't know if we were originally going to do the crop report. We were just looking at some of the, the new numbers on the plot and then noticed some issues in the field with some cutworm, and then we got talking and digging, and just from the jump, I just saw how how nice that would be because on our operation, we do everything ourselves, so we don't have maybe, and it's just my dad and I, so we don't have quite as much time to be 
walking around all in the fields and just knowing that Jason or whoever's going to be out there taking a look, keeping an eye on things for me, it's, it's, it does give you a little peace of mind that, and from literally from the first time we were in the field, you know, we noticed that cutworm problem. And then that evening, Jason sent me over a report and looking at it and it's pretty cool. Definitely could see how it, there could be value there. I would imagine moving forward, you know, as uh, as as this field checkup series happens more and more on uh, on your fields, Tony. Uh, I would imagine you start thinking about that of how flexible you can be throughout the the growing season of saying, "Hey, if if, if these guys tell me something, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make that change." Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's there's been trust from day one, and like I said, haven't been I haven't grown channel. This will be the first year, but literally from the start, I picked up a, a farm later this spring that unfortunately is a notoriously wet farm already, so that hasn't helped things. But I asked them, and they knew exactly what number to put out there, one that is that is a tried and true that it's going to do well in adverse conditions, and you had to just, just trust them from, from the beginning, and I, it's just been great. And Tony, when you when you get done planting and and you're out there and you're starting to think of okay, hey, I need to put my chemical plan together, maybe maybe some late season fertilizer and 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 maybe a maybe a fungicide. I'm I'm talking about you know how your plans might change, but are there things that that you may just you know you didn't plan on at all? Like let's say like a, a fungicide or 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 maybe that insecticide uh, example that you were given, and now you're willing to to make another pass over that field to, to take care of that issue. Yeah, absolutely, because before, beforehand, if we were just going at this just ourselves in a year like this with maybe not the knowledge, we'd think that, well, you know, it's going to be a late, late harvest anyway. Do we want to want to apply that fungicide if we don't have any, you know, disease pressure and just trying to get that, that yield bump from it? And just the other day I just asked Jason and Chris what their opinion was, you know, this late season, and they kind of, put my mind at ease that we should still go ahead with our, our planned fungicide application because keeping that plant alive is, is not going to be the worst, worst thing because it'll actually die better than it would if we, it wasn't applied. So it just continue the plan that we had and not getting off the course is just will be helpful. No, absolutely. And, and really, you know, when we started thinking about, you know, getting information from, from really this, this team of people that you have around you, it, it's interesting to kind of, I, I would say you got, you know, uh, social feedback, which I kind of look at, you know, when we go into the coffee shop and we're hearing, you know, all of our neighbors saying one thing. And then there's really that, that expertise of, of, you know, somebody who is, who is out in those fields, who covers a large region. How do you start, you know, kind of working through? through whose information are you going to going to use more? I mean, someone like, like Chris and Jason both that have been involved for as long as they have, that have been out in the field and, and, and seen multiple growing seasons and seen adverse conditions. Because, I mean, I'll be honest, yeah, 2012 was, uh, was drought, but I, I've been blessed with up till this year. I mean, it's been plant when you plant, and it's been a perfect growing season, and there haven't been the the issues to think about. I mean, honestly, we've been pretty blessed. And this year, there's there's been a lot of fears, and it wasn't until we really got in the field that kind of could start stop thinking about things and actually doing things. But talking to someone, and you know, my dad obviously has been very helpful. He's been been around doing it a long time. But talking to other people from other areas that have seen adverse conditions that just just know what they're talking about, and it just it's all just about putting mind at ease and feel like we're 
putting the right foot forward throughout the growing season. Now you talk about you know talking to folks from from other areas. You know uh, I've mentioned it uh, multiple times on the podcast. You know that it's uh, amazing how the ag Twitter community is uh, is is kind of uh, exploding here. Do you find yourself leaning on uh, any social media platforms to uh, to get any information? Huh. Well, Twitter is it's it's something. It can make you feel good about things, or also make you feel not real great about things, but. It all, that this year especially, I, I you know, knock on wood, our part of the world has been, I mean, blessed relative to how other people have been, and even I have family up northern northern part of the state, north of Peoria, that they've had one heck of a time, and just I I, I try to keep Twitter <laughs> just something of enjoyment and try not take much out of it, but there are people out there that do do know their stuff, but I I'm more of a face to face localized information. I'll take. Take Twitter info for what it is, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a that's a pretty good opinion. So, uh, you know, what do you see? You know, when you talk about face to face, you know, like when you're working with Jason, is you know, are you having meetings? You know, at at his seed shed, or are you are you having larger meetings that are you know that are that multiple farmers are coming in? You know, how how many of those types of events are there, and and, and how many how many do you attend, Tony? Um, I. From what I've gathered, there's, and this is not just Jason and, and his and channel, but there's there's as many meetings as you could ever want to go to. There's as many many free lunches as you can possibly want. But <laughs> but with Jason, it's it's been been face to face, which is which is big for me. The only issue is that they are Cardinals fans, so that's kind of you know put a little bit of a, a wrench in things. But we got that figured out, and uh, we we normally will meet. Uh, meet for lunch or something like that and go over go over seed questions and go over issues and then just like this past week we met in the field and and it was great and I just it's nice to have someone knowledgeable on your side. No, absolutely. Well, I, I will tell you, I'm going to put a little a little gas on the fire. I you're actually talking to three Cardinals fans. Oh boy. <laughs> you're outnumbered. <laughs> at least we're, at least we're winning this year, so. Uh, there you go. I guess at home. At home we're winning. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, it's it's unfortunate we can't win in Chicago, right? So, <laughs> well, we can't win in St. Louis either. So it works. It works out. Hey, there you go. There you go. Well, hey, I, you know, we talked about you know some of that uh, you know social information, right? Of uh, you're at the coffee shop and you're hearing information. You know, when you when you look at that on the flip side, Tony, what are what are you telling other farmers about the interactions that, that you're having with with Jason, your seedsman, and with with really Channel as a brand? Uh, just the like, especially with Jason, just that it's not. We bought seed from a lot of people for a lot of years, and a lot of it is. Show up, get your order, and go, and we'll see a see you in the winter to get your next seed order, and that's that's fine. It's whatever, but in this day and age, every every little bit counts, and there's a lot of information out there, and it's it's good to just be able to really talk and and dive in, and that's why I was was all about this year getting started with Jason and and Channel, and just hopefully growing forward with them, and it's been very helpful. And, and also, you know, one of the other, you know, pieces of information is also that data that we're collecting when they're, you know, out there planting and spraying and harvest. Uh, what are the what are the different uh, platforms that you use on your operation to, to really gather that, you know, gather all that data and, and really start evaluating uh, how each one of those products did at the end of the season? Well, FieldView is, 
It is unbelievable. We've had uh, field view for quite a while with uh, with precision. We got in with that in like 2010 or 2011. So we've had field view on the planning side for for a very long time. And just it was three years ago. Got in with with harvest, and we got got all the information sent to us and well we don't know if we're gonna actually put that in the combine and blah 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 and i go well no let's put it in you know it got sent to us and it just the whole my world just exploded i mean this information at my fingertips was was fascinating to me and i had all this this information we run a little bit older equipment and just having being able to get accurate information at my fingertips was able to be awesome for Yield analysis, because I'll be honest, we were running with pretty large percentage of just the same same brand of uh, of corn. And then once we really we we knew at the end of the year, looking back through our books, you know what yields were and, and such like that. But then once I have it on my iPad, and I'm looking at it and go, yeah, I think we really need to be analyzing and maybe making some different decisions because it's if it's not if it's not working, it's not working. And so it's I mean I think FieldView is has paid for itself times over just in the last two years look analyzing harvest data it's been great looking at planning data but harvest data is where the to me where the money's at where you see what actually is working what isn't hey clinton and i'll just back that up as an agronomist i found that uh you know the yield analysis has been an incredibly valuable tool we talked about this year and the difficulty of getting in plots um i know we've had some success in getting some plots in in east central illinois but uh across much of the state we haven't and and tony was an example of one where we were able to get some hybrids planted in some larger blocks and do some we'll be able to do some analyzation over multiple soil types and uh, things like that that wasn't possible uh, you know, a couple years ago, not as easily as it is today with climate field view. And uh, I think this is the year where we're going to see some big dividends on climate field view, especially that yield analysis tool on analyzing products, because we're not going to have that vast uh, database of uh, plots that we normally have because we've been washed out or pl- flooded out or, or or even late planted. But, you know, we get some situations where guys were able to get some early uh, crops in in a more normal time frame, and they're able to record all that information and, again, over soil types and different conditions, and we can do some serious analyzation and make some better decisions moving forward. I mean, that's what it's really all about is using that information to make better decisions. And uh, I'm, as an agronomist, I'm just thankful that this tool exists this year because uh, uh, the the other avenues that we may normally get some information from may be shut down because of Mother Nature. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, uh, I'd like to get Jason's perspective on this as well. I, I would imagine that, uh, you know, if you have multiple farmers that are, that are all using the same platform, uh, it may give you give you a lot better outlook, you know, into into really what's happening within uh, within your territory. There, uh, Jason, how are how are you using FieldView uh, today? Oh man, um, it, it, I'm using FieldView every every way I can. Uh, the the iPad goes with me everywhere I can. Um, it's it's great that that I have so many customers like Tony that are are willing to share their fields and share share where stuff is planted and be able to talk about um, the yield analysis tool at the end and, and be able to evaluate stuff. And so I, I, I use FieldView all the time. You know, I, I take my pictures, I drop my pins, I, I pull up the iPad, and 
I show show people, you know, what I'm seeing, what I'm finding. I send them the reports. Um, it, it's just, it's awesome. I, I wish every customer was on the FieldView platform. It would allow uh, the, the data transparency or the information transparency between me and the grower uh, to be so much streamlined. And, uh, you know, I can, I get guys that are taking pictures of their harvest maps, you know, right, right from the combine, snapping a picture and sending it to me and circling the spot and saying, oh, you know, this is the spot we walked last summer, you know, it, it did exactly like we thought. And uh, it's just, it's, it's just an amazing, amazing tool to, to help a seedsman. And it's, as Tony just got done saying, such an amazing tool for, for a farmer that's uh, craving the information at their fingertips. Well, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, Jason, uh, you, you had had a, uh, a a beautiful baby in October, and I if I'm if I'm not if like I said if I'm not mistaken, I think there's kind of a funny field view story that kind of wraps around that, isn't there? There's a there's a great story there, Clint, and uh, actually uh, Tony was in the uh, the same hospital uh, just a couple of rooms down as the story took place, but. Um, my uh, my son Grayson was born October fourth, and uh, I had to take a little bit of pause from the harvest season, um, but I didn't take a pause from my iPad. And as the uh, combine operators knew that I would be sitting there remote viewing uh, the harvest uh, all the way up until the moments that I was needed in the uh, delivery room, they were uh, drawing some cute little field region reports uh, on the maps I was looking at. So as I was uh, following along with uh, with their harvest progression and keeping up on things, they were drawing uh, babies and pacifiers and stuff like that up on the screen just to uh, just to play with me because they knew that I uh, I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's uh, that's a uh, probably not how we thought it was going to be used, but I think that's a that's a darn good use case right there. We uh, we had a lot of fun with it. That's that's crowdsourcing right there. You never know how it's going to be used. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> right. I uh, yeah my my daughter was born October third, and my uh, the, pe- the person that I knew <laughs> that knew I was following along didn't quite think it was. As fun drawing pictures, I just kept getting texts about quit following along and pay attention to your baby was what I was getting from my dad because they knew that I was just sitting there <laughs> watching along. And, you know, I will say that is, side note, that's a, one of the coolest aspects of field view is that remote view, checking in, watching, and keeping up with yields and wondering why things are going the way they were when I'm not there. But, yeah, Jason, your story's a little more heartfelt. Mine was more just like, leave me alone. <laughs> well, I... I think that we understand that uh, anybody that's expecting a uh, fall baby, we got to make sure we get them on the field view platform with the remote view <laughs> access. I, you are correct. Well, you know that's what I was sitting here thinking. You know, it's kind of I was kind of chuckling. You know, two farmers that are you know having babies in October. You know, that's uh, I don't I don't, know, I don't know if that's very good planning, guys. <laughs> no, and my son was born in the was born early May. Three years ago, so I just can't plan anything. <laughs> well, I, I got to say, congratulations to both of you. That uh, uh, I mean, that's that's absolutely uh, absolutely great. So, and good stories, uh, good stories to go along with that too. So. Well, you know, kind of back into uh, back into the into the pins that you were talking about, Jason. You know, you said, "Hey, you know, when I'm out there using field view, I'm dropping pins, I'm taking pictures, uh, taking notes." Uh, if th- that all that all goes back into the field checkup series, then as well, right? 
Absolutely. When I'm out there doing one of the four stages of the field checkup series, I'm I'm actually in into their field view account and, and the information that I'm I'm able to take. I'm leaving there um, for Tony to see or for anybody else um, that that I can drop a pin. I can say exactly what I'm seeing and take pictures of it, document it, send it out in a custom crop report. But the pin is always there in field view. So we can go, uh, in, in Tony and Chris's case that we had last week, we can go right back to the same area um, that we were seeing some type of cutworm feeding and uh, you know be able to go back in a couple days to the exact same spot in the field and see if it has spread or um, you know how, how much damage was, was controlled and et cetera. So the ability to, to drop the pins, do the locations is, is awesome to me. And, and that's cool about that is it can go both ways. Um, you know, Tony can, can go out and see something in his field, and I'm not able to get there that afternoon to look, look at it with him. He can drop a pin. I can walk right to that same spot in the field and see exactly what he was seeing, and we're able to, to communicate and solve an issue. Yeah, I'd even say you don't even have to go out there sometimes. I mean, uh, I, remotely, I can see some of those pins that our customers drop, and I can look at the picture. Sometimes it's a weed ID or an insect ID or something like that, and I can say, yeah, this is the pest that you're looking at, and then they can you know, make their management plans accordingly. So, um, you know, again, covering a large area, can't get everywhere that I need to be all the time, but I can still stay connected. Uh, through those pin drops, it's just fantastic for me as an agronomist. Well, that's where I'd like to get Tony's perspective of, you know, we're talking about, you know, whether it's Jason dropping a pin or, or Chris looking at, uh, at pins that have been dropped over the region. You know, some of the, some of the data sharing can, can be concerning, right, to, uh, to certain farmers at, uh, at different times. H- how was your thought Tony, when you when you first kind of got into this versus now when you've actually been able to see, you know, what what true collaboration really can end up doing for your operation? Well, I mean, I'll I'll be honest, I didn't have a ton of issue sharing our data and my information with professionals. I, I thought that was all that was gonna do was move our operation forward and and help with help with analysis and help continue to make make decisions with new products and and it I, I can't see any issue with it. I all it does is is just help us. This day and age there's no no such thing as too much help and having guys like Chris and Jason out there is falling right into that category. You know, Chris, uh, you know you talked about, you know, looking at some of those pins have has something popped up and and all of a sudden you're like, "Oh wow, something's moving into this territory. Maybe a, you know, I'm going to go check a few fields or or maybe start calling around to some different seedsmen or farmers." Yeah, exactly. And uh, there's a case, I think, you know, last year we had uh, a heavy rain event mid-July. And um, I know it's specifically there in east central Illinois, we saw a lot of yellowing on the soybeans. And uh, I think, uh, you know, Jason had dropped some pins on some of his fields. And uh, I take a look and then as Jason said, I can kind of evaluate that specific situation and understand what happened in that specific uh, field in that area. And then I can apply it and take it to a larger audience with other fields that experience similar weather events. And I can, uh, uh, you know, help them manage through it. You know, turned out to be it was just uh, saturated soil conditions, lack of oxygen, plant was going to come out of it okay. But that initial 
response to it, the initial understanding is because, uh, you know, some pins had been dropped, been notified via climate that, you know, that these things were happening. And then, and that's where kind of getting back to that teamwork concept. I mean, that's where that larger team is able to get information out to more people. And then, you know, as a result, more people can be successful. So um, there's multiple cases of that out there. That's just one, but uh, I think uh, it makes the channel brand better when we can all share and communicate that information and climate's kind of the glue that that helps us do that yeah the uh the power of collaboration is yeah. uh, is absolutely amazing and i i see that across uh heck in in different industries and in all, all across the board uh i i think the the more that people collaborate and the more information that's shared uh, i think uh, a, a lot of power can come out of that so. absolutely i agree you know, uh, Jason, I got one more question for you. You know, I know uh, you, you and I talked before, and it kind of sounds like you've used some other tools as well when you're out there evaluating uh, some of these fields, uh, specifically around maybe some some drones. Uh, can you kind of, you know, maybe talk to uh, talk to the listener, tell the listeners about, you know, what else what else are you using out there? Uh, yeah, I I want to I want my fingertips on on every tool that. That could be there at least to, to evaluate and, and uh, understand the, the value that that tool may bring. Uh, some of some of the examples that that I've uh, got firsthand use with um, Intellinair uh, last year did a lot of stand counts on my plots. Um, did did some pretty cool things with with some of their um, planned um, flights and stuff like that and. Um, I've also used a lot of fixed-wing drone imagery with some high-resolution stitched-together uh, imagery, um, and then I carry around, uh, you know, kind of a quick-access drone, uh, you know, with me in my pickup truck, just with my iPad every day, and uh, you know, it's always good to be able to get a little bit different perspective. And um, you know, I've learned very early on that you you don't see everything uh, from the windshield, and then I learned that you don't really see everything from from the the ground and um you don't see everything from the air but when you combine all those together you you've got a pretty good handle of uh what that field is telling you by by seeing it um with your feet on the ground with uh, with seeing it from above and and then um you know just making sure that you you get out there and know where all the where the issues are and so I, I find uh, I find all those tools uh, very handy, and as they uh, begin to all collaborate together, uh, we're we're going to have a lot of uh, a lot of tools in the toolbox um, as agronomists, seedsmen, and farmers to uh, to be right on top of these important timely decisions during the growing season. Yeah, and I think that plays into that teamwork mentality and and listening to your podcast, Clint, I mean, the technology that is available today and the technology that's coming are are mind-boggling, to say the least. And I think the important part of it all is who's going to deliver that, who's going to be able to uh, sort through that, who's going to decipher what's needed and what's not. And I don't profess to be the one that's going to be able to do that, and I don't think Jason would either. But I think together, uh, you get a good team behind you, and uh, there's there's probably fewer people that would be better to bring some of this technology to the to the grower than a than a channel seedsman. Um, with the agronomy team that we have, we can we can definitely make inroads in that and 
and uh, deliver this technology. I think that's the the next frontier. Is I think the technology is there. It's all about delivering it and how it's going to get to the uh, end user. And I think the uh, the seedsman, the agronomist, and the the DSMs and everybody within that team is how it's going to happen. Well, Tony, from from your perspective, uh, I, I know at least at least for me, I like working with companies that uh, that are working with that that latest technology and and really uh, driving some of that adoption. W- what's your thought? I mean, uh, when you're when you're working with folks, I mean, do you want to see them uh, adopting that that latest technology to to help bring more information to your farm? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the more more information, the better. Sometimes it can it can get to be a little daunting going through all of it. And I know my dad could sometimes do without. But I, I think the more more information, the better. And I think it's pretty cool looking at late season drone footage and just knowing what to expect getting out there. I'll be honest. You know, five years ago or however long when drones really kind of started taking off, I <laughs> they I didn't really see the purpose. And then. For a couple of years, I've had some people fly over, and and there's been some trouble spots in the fields, and and so when you're out there and you're you're going along with your 250 bushel corn, and then you get to some spots where you're 150, you're not surprised. You kind of you know what's coming, and you know the wet spots of how it's going to be, and and this year there's going to be some some real issues from compaction, and you can already see it out there, and I know that if if Jason came out and flew some for me, uh, you know, later this, this year, we're going to see some spots that they most definitely were worked and planted when it was too wet, but we did what we could. But no, I, I, I don't, I think more data, the better, and we can sift through it and get what we can, but just much as I can have my fingertips is what I want. No, I, I, absolutely. I, I fully agree. And, and I also, I don't want it to pass. I mean, I, I have to call out that I think that you just did probably the best dad pun that is uh, that has happened on the on the podcast to date. So that's... Uh, well, you, I didn't want to pat myself on the back, but you know, <laughs> I, I, thought good. I thought that was fantastic. So. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, I thought I could be good for something. Hey, there you go. There you go. Well, hey, I know listeners that are wanting to go out and really kind of keep track of what's going on. They can, uh, they can use the hashtag hashtag field checkup Friday uh, to really kind of track the field checkup series uh, across the nation, right? Yep, that'd be correct. Hey, there, there we go. So, well, hey guys, uh, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and uh, and wrap up. And I just want to say, you know, thank you to to all three of you for uh, for coming on. Uh, it's been a been great to really kind of step through, you know, the the role of the of the agronomist, you know, within that team, feeding information down into the seedsman. Uh, how the seedsman then can can really take that information to the to the local level and and really start helping out uh, help out their farmers uh, and really then you know getting the getting the farmer perspective as well from Tony and uh, and really seeing how this really impacts uh, the operation uh, and along the way we got to find out that uh, that Tony has you know a little less baseball taste than the, <laughs> than, the uh, than the rest of us but hey that's just that's just part of it nobody's so, perfect right right you know we've got to got to work on that so well uh, Tony thank you for uh, for coming on I appreciate uh, appreciate the time and uh, glad that uh, that plant 19's behind us here but uh, thank you for uh, for coming on the show absolutely well thanks for having me Jason, same thing to you. I appreciate you appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us uh, your perspective there. So uh, thanks for thanks for joining us. Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you. 
And Chris, uh, thanks uh, thanks for coming down, driving down to the uh, to the to the studio here and uh, sitting here and uh, having this conversation with me. So I appreciate that. Absolutely, Clint. Glad to be here and uh, glad to chat with you here today. And thank you to the listeners for for tuning in and uh, and listening to this episode. And as always, Around the Farm is brought to you by Climate Field View. This is the last episode for the growing season, although we may have a few bonus episodes that uh, that get thrown out there every now and then. And then, of course, then we'll prep up for our our harvest episodes that'll be uh, coming uh, later this year. Now, don't miss any episodes. Be sure to subscribe either on Apple Podcast or Stitcher or Google Play or wherever you're listening to it now, or go out to climate.com and uh, find our podcast out there. Also, I want to hear from you. So be sure to send in your thoughts or your questions by going to Twitter and using the FieldView Twitter handle, at FieldView, and then use the hashtag, hashtag FieldViewClint, so I can find your tweets. I'd love to answer your questions in upcoming episodes. And speaking of feedback, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show, give us five stars, and give us a review. As always, we'll see you around the farm. 